And we need to go further with them and we need to solidify them and continue on. And so I want to encourage you so that maybe you can help others and teach them as well. And uh, so let's pay attention to our fiscal responsibility to the kingdom of God. Amen? How many of you have heard of that term fiscal, right? It became very popular just a while ago with the fiscal cliff we were all going to head over. And if you've noticed that every now and then uh, we've got a, a new buzz phrase and a new thing that's coming out over us as a people. We've just been through a shutdown. We've almost had a fiscal collapse. And, and it's looming. It's in the air. I mean, financially, this nation is messed up, all right? And uh, we're in this nation, so if the nation's messed up, we're going to reap that messing up unless our stewardship is based on a different kingdom. And what I want to do is get you out of the basing your fiscal responsibility and economics based on this nation. It's messed up, okay? And we need to follow one who runs a different kingdom where we get our economics and understanding from, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so we really need to pay attention to kingdom dynamics in our stewardship. So let me take you to fiscal responsibility, but I spell it a different way, F-S-K-L. This is kingdom fiscal responsibility, and we want to have security in our fiscal uh, attitudes. And so the first letter, F, stands for freedom. First of all, we have got to get ourselves out of the enslavement of the American dream. Can I encourage you for that? The the American dream got perverted along the way to more stuff is better life. And we're always achieving to get more stuff. And that is so contrary to the kingdom of God. And basically, the curse over this land is buy, 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 spend, spend, spend. In fact, you'll get credit cards daily, weekly, so that you get drugged with this desire for more. You were raised in it. I was raised in it. And what we don't realize is we've been raised in a bad situation. And it's not kingdom. And so I really want to break us out of that mentality that more is better. All right? That we're spending money ridiculously on things that are just repeating in our lives. Yesterday I had a couple hours to kill between some different appointments and things that I went to. So I went out to, uh, oh boy, what's that mall? Um, Auburn Hills, way out in... Great, is that at Great Lakes Crossing? Yeah, Great Lakes Crossing. Um, I made the, a really big mistake. I got out of my car and walked into that place without looking at where I parked. <laughs> About a half hour into that mall, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get home. <laughs> I mean, the thing just loops. It loops. And it loops. You ever notice that? You know, 800 stores for clothes. Are you kidding me? Seriously? You need more clothes? Right? We are in bondage. And what we're in bondage to is buying and spending and indulging in all this stuff. You know? Come on. And so we've got to find freedom because many are bound under credit card debt and all that. You know, you bought something for $19.99, put it on your card, and you can have a minimal payment of 5 bucks. And then after 30 years of trying to pay it off, you paid $400 for it. That's an exaggeration, but you know what? It's really not that exaggerated. 
We've got to have freedom. What we think is freedom by the ability to buy and spend is really just chaining us and locking us up into overindulgence. It's ridiculous as to what we're spending our money on and how much and how often. There must have been 32 shoe stores there. It's like, really? Another shoe store? I felt like I was walking on another planet where people were just like brainwashed into this spend by, spend by. And of course, I didn't get out there, out of there without spending money on something. <laughs> I bought something that I didn't want, but I bought it anyways. And it's like, what's going on? Folks, we need freedom from this. Really, we really need to be set free from this. And we're expecting the government and, and, and our jobs and everything to keep giving us money for all the things we want to consume. And it's bondage, it's bondage, it's bondage. Okay? There's a biblical stewardship that we've got to lock into, not an American mindset. And so let's break free of that, okay? Don't equate America with the Bible. These two are not right now in alignment. They're really not, all right? So we've got to set our stewardship on kingdom principles. So the first thing you need to recognize is you need to get free. I need to get free from this thing that is constantly pressing into us that we need more. And that's a bondage. It's called gluttony. And uh, it's a real problem that we can all be under if we don't break free from it. So first thing is, if you can begin to break free from the American economy and start walking in a biblical mindset, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find freedom. Amen? Secondly, it comes with this feature, simplicity. Simplicity. Learning to live below our means. You see, our culture and our society and everything around us wants us to live above our means, right? It's, it's that old thing, well, I only have $2.50 to spend. Great, let me show you something for five. Right? How, how often does this go on? Always spending more than we have, more than we have, more than we have. Simplicity says we can live with less. There's freedom in that. If you would choose to live with less, do you really need another winter coat? Maybe you do, because you're cold. But seven of them. Another pair of shoes? Another this, another that? Look, at we are really in, have immersed ourselves in something that is so unscriptural. And so let's get back to simplicity. Living a simple life, learning to live with less so that we would be more readily available to God with our finances and with our help for other people. Right? All right. You can't give the guy on the street another buck because you need it because you've overexpended someplace else. So let's pay attention to that simplicity. And so, what does the K stand for for fiscal? Kingdom living. A kingdom mindset. What did God say? Jesus said this, Seek ye first cash. No, okay, sorry. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these, I'm sorry, all these things. Do you see where we're at? We seek first the things. If God's really blessing you, you'll have things. I mean, come on, that's how we look at it. There's people who say, I mean, we've got a whole theology on this. The better car you drive, the more blessed you are. Hallelujah. It's just a bigger payment you have. 
right? We are spending so much money on ourselves instead of being available to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added. You'll have what you need if you seek the kingdom first. So let's get rid of some of the junk we have. It's just more to take care of. And, and live simpler. How many of you remember when uh, the power outage, maybe it was like eight to nine years ago, right? All of a sudden you saw all these people walking on your street. It's like, who are these people? <laughs> Honestly, I remember when it first happened and I looked out and I thought, what's going on? Something's going on outside. I went out to look People went for walks. I didn't even know these people lived on this street. That guy's got a dog. I never knew he had a dog. And you'd meet people walk by. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Do you live near here? Yeah, I live right next door. I've been. Oh, that's simplicity. You know what? Instead of being so engaged in all our toys and activities, we could like maybe go out and find life. Kingdom, seek ye first the kingdom. And I'm again sharing this with you so that we can break out of this curse. I'm telling you, we're under one. And so it's not coming from God, it's a deception from the world. And we've bought into it and we've made a theology and sanctified it. So let's be fiscally responsible. And the last part of this economy is the love of God. That's our economy. I would rather have a church rich in the love of God than with finer furniture and a bigger building. How about you? Amen. Amen. What I want poured back into my life from God is not more cash, but the very nature of God Himself. The love, joy, peace, goodness, greatness, uh, faithfulness, self-control. I threw greatness in there. (laughs) That's what I want a hundredfold back in. How about you? Right? But we set up this system where if you give 10 bucks, maybe you'll get back 100. Ka-ching! Christian lottery. It's no different. Honestly, the teaching's no different from the Christian, this lottery idea. Put 100 bucks in the uh, uh, offering plate and, hey, sew it in and God will give you back 1,000, 100 fold. You'll get it back. I'll be dealing with that next week when I talk about television preachers. But (laughs) fiscal responsibility fiscal responsibility get free from this mindset live a simpler life where the kingdom is first and the economy is loving and caring for people that is what we need to shift our economy into amen as believers of the lord jesus christ now let me help you get there because many of you are on that road and you're moving into that place So I want to share with you this concept that comes from Scripture, but first I want to illustrate it from Robinson Crusoe. Anybody ever read that book, Robinson Crusoe? All right, two people. There was one in the first service. It's an old book. You used to have to read it in school. You know, they don't do that anymore. Uh, How about the Disney movie, Robinson Crusoe? Okay, you've seen the Disney movie, Robinson Crusoe. Okay. Anyways, the movies don't do justice to the book. The book is an amazing book on Christian principles. If you read it, it's really about a man who was taken out of an economy that was of the world to discover a biblical context to life. And so let me share with you what Daniel Defoe said in his book, Robinson Crusoe. I should always find the calamities of life were shared among the upper and lower part of mankind. 
but that the middle station had the fewest disasters and was not exposed to so many vicissitudes as the higher and lower part of mankind. Nay, they were not subjected to so many distempers and uneasiness either of body or mind as those who by vicious living, luxury, and extravagances on one hand or hard labor, want of necessities, or means of insufficient diet on the other hand, which brings distempers upon themselves by the natural consequences of their way of living. Let me translate that. (laughs) Rich people got problems. Poor people got problems. Rich people got enough where they don't pay attention to God, yet they have to take care of more things. They got more people coming against them. It's a headache and a hard life, right? And those who are poor have the same problem in reverse. They don't have enough. They have to steal. They have to get what they can. They're dependent on others, and it's a hard life. The middle class, if you will, we put class, but the middle station of life, which is basically us, is the place to be. It's really the place of blessing. And that's where you are. And so I encourage you to give thanks to God for your place in life. The middle class of the average American is richer than most of the world. It's a place where you can get your life adjusted and pursue the things of God. Now that middle station in life can depend on where you are, but let let me show you what else he goes on to say. The middle station of life was calculated for all kinds of virtues and all kind of enjoyments. Peace and plenty were the handmaids of the middle fortune. That temperance and moderation, quietness and health in society, all agreeable diversions and all desirable pleasures were the blessings attending the middle station of life. It is. Now that middle station of life depends on where you are. If you're single, then that middle station of life may be that you make you know twenty five thousand a year. If you've got married and got about four kids or so, you got six people in the house. That that middle life is somewhere you know up to eighty, ninety thousand, a hundred thousand a year. So that middle station is somewhere between there, right? And, and that's where we are. We have a job, we have a place to live, and, and we have food, and we're in the middle station of life. And that, brothers and sisters, is a powerful place to be. That's why I'm here to encourage you today. You, we, are in a very powerful position to impact our society. Being in this middle station of life, we have our needs cared for, thank God, and we can now reach to care for others. This is a great place to be. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You're in the right place. This station in life. And Robinson Crusoe found that out. All right? Now, he was basically just reiterating Scripture. How many of you know this phrase? Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? Does anybody remember who said that? Jesus said that, right? He said, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, and he taught him a prayer. And in the middle of that prayer is this statement. Now, Jesus is just reiterating something he spoke to Solomon a thousand years earlier. The Word of God spoke to Solomon. Solomon wrote this down, and he said this, 
Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. Give me this day my daily bread. In other words, the middle station of life. Let God provide for what you need now. Because if you get too rich, you are going to become self-dependent and overlook the Lord. It's all about you and it's about your riches. He who has the most toys owes a lot of money. All right? That stuff infects your mind, your brain, your life. That middle place. He says if you're too poor, you're going to think that God doesn't supply your needs. You're going to have to become uh, dependent on getting your own needs. You're going to have to do what you got to do to get scrimp and save and get by and God, you know, whatever. So if God would be my provider for my daily needs, then I would find my life at rest and peace with kingdom economics, if you will. And so that's the mindset, brothers and sisters. And so I encourage you today that we as a people are in a great position. You're in a good position. Oh, I need more money. Ah, we all need more money. But I want you to understand and get your mind shifted into a fiscal sense of the economy. All right? A fiscal sense that I told you that freedom from owing, that simplicity of being satisfied with what you have, or another word for it is content. You can't find that anywhere in our culture today, but it's a biblical concept. I've learned the secret to being content, Paul said. And so that simplicity of contentment by what? Leaning on the Lord, putting the kingdom first, and knowing the love of God in your economy, and you will find God is providing your daily bread. Amen? Can you be satisfied with that? All right. So let me share with you a few principles. What it's going to take to do this is to suffer discipline. It's going to take discipline in our lives, right? This is another thing that is counterculture. Discipline means a life that is devoted to an effort that is good for you, right? God, the kingdom of God. We need to be disciplined for the kingdom of God. There's basically two powers we work under, discipline or regret. <laughs> How many of you ever feel that, right? You're usually motivated either because you've been disciplined on something or you're constantly regretting that you weren't, right? Yeah, you shouldn't have eaten that brownie bite. Didn't have enough discipline, now you regret it. That's just an example. I love brownie bites. <laughs> Here's an important point too. Money only magnifies your character. It doesn't do anything for you. Oh, I could make it do a lot for me. <laughs> Money actually just magnifies who you are. It just reveals your character in a greater way. Don't you find it interesting? You ever seen any of those TV shows or movies that they've done research on people who have won the lottery? People who have won the lottery. Do you know where like, the vast majority of people are who have won the lottery? Broke. Because they didn't know what to do with this money. What would you do with the money? You ever think about that? Who wants to win the lottery here? Y'all waited for me to raise my hand. I don't know if it's holy or spiritual enough. 
Well, you'd raise it outside here, you'd, <laughs> the church. Yeah, man, I talk about it all the time. My wife and I, what would you do if you had a million bucks? Well, we'd give it to Jesus after we uh, bought uh, this and this and this and this and this. And, I mean, come on, really. Who doesn't want more stuff? I want more stuff. I'd love to have a lot of money. But what would happen? What would it do to us? And see, a lot of times money just really amplifies the character of your heart. And so many times, I know that many of you don't see it this way, but many times God has rescued you from yourself by the economy He's put you in in certain situations. Thank God on certain occasions you were broke because it saved you from a hassle and a lot of problems. You know what's really funny in our culture, in our society? Most of you in about an hour and a half, two hours, you're going to go home and we're all going to entertain ourselves by watching millionaires throw balls. Is there something wrong here? We're going to go and then there's going to be guys that have special outfits on and they all get paid millions of dollars and then they're going to go and throw them and hit each other and hit bats, football, baseball, and we're all going to be happy to watch millionaires perform. Oh! Look at all the rich people playing games. I'll buy that. Give me two tickets for that. Look at the millionaires. Is that messed up? We've got more poor people, more poverty in our cities, more lack of education, more troubles. Our city's bankrupt. Our nation's headed there. But our sports teams are doing well. Something's messed up. Somebody, tell me if I'm wrong. Something's really messed up, but it's okay for Christians because there's nothing wrong in playing sports. And I agree, there's nothing wrong in playing sports. There's nothing wrong with different kinds of entertainment, this and that, but that's not the point. The point is, we're messed up. All this money going to entertainment. Because life stinks, so I need a laugh. I need to get my mind off of it. But that's where we should stand different. I'm not, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't go to sports events, don't watch it on TV. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is don't get sucked into what's going on here. There's a, there's a purpose we're here. We've got something to do. But most of us are unavailable to invest in the kingdom of God because we've invested in the kingdom of men. We've been sucked into this thing. So let me give you five principles of good stewardship. I'll go through them really quickly. Five principles of good stewardship. Here's the first principle. Number one, God owns all things, not you. You think the more things you own, the better off you are. Well, God already owns everything. And what he's given to you, he wants you to be faithful in. If you will be faithful over little, I will make you ruler over much. So let's be faithful in what we have. And so if God's asked you to be faithful with, a, with an income at a particular amount, be faithful with it. Learn to handle it. Be free of the addictions of the lust of the flesh and the ideas of this world and live it biblically and be available for God. So number one, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. We steward lives. We care for people. And so that's the question. 
Are we hoarding what God has given to us to use to bless others only for ourselves? That would be unbiblical. And so we need to live below our means so that we would be available to minister the kingdom to other people. Now, let's go on. Responsibility. We're called as God's steward to manage that which belongs to God, which is everything. To manage His holdings according to His desires and His purposes. So we're responsible to God for what we are stewards over. And so let's do it responsibly. May I say, you've been doing a good job, folks. You're doing good. Let's keep working at it. Let's get better at this. Let's get more mature than this. Amen? You with me? Yeah, let's keep moving forward. We're accountable. We're accountable. Our time, our money, our talents, our information, wisdom, relationships, authority. We're responsible and we are now accountable to God for what He's given us. Now, with that, there's something He asks us to do. Give. Give. He doesn't ask us to do anything He hasn't already done. Who's the greatest giver? God, yeah. God so loved the world, what? He gave. He gave. This is His heart, to be beneficent, right? He, he, he is a kind and good benefactor. He gives. And so God gives, and He gives sacrificially, doesn't He? And I'm not working up towards getting you to give more money, so chill out. But I'm saying there's a principle here for us to learn to be a more giving people with our time, right? We're all so busy. I'm sorry. Oh, had an accident. Ooh, that looks bad. I got to go though. We walk by people. Are we really any different than the Pharisee who walked by the man, the Good Samaritan story, right? Because we're all really busy. We don't see half of it because we're on our phones. Yeah, I don't know. There was an accident over here. I don't see what happened. Uh, some people, something's wrong. But I really got to get going. Yeah, I'll catch up with you later. Really? What happened? The Christian's supposed to run where there is a need. We're the people that are doing that. We're the people who are salt to this earth and light to the earth. And so again, we are to be giving. Look at what he says in Acts chapter 20, 35. Peter said this, In all things I've shown you that by working hard... In this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He Himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, you're not going to find that in any of the Gospels, but obviously it was something Jesus said a lot because Paul knew it and he probably heard it from the disciples. John, in fact, said, if, we, if I wrote down everything Jesus did and said, the world couldn't contain all the volumes. But, but Paul says, this is something Jesus said a lot. It's more blessed to give than receive. This is the paradox of the kingdom of God. You want to be rich? This is what Paul said about being rich. He said this to Timothy, For the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, which God provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves for their future of eternal life. And that's in 1 Timothy 6.17. So the concept of biblical economy is for us to live with what we need in our daily bread, that we don't owe people, that we have freedom, that we speak in love, and where there's a need, we can show up. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. That's the people of God. That's you. 
That's me. And you people do that. You show up. Where there's a need, you show up. When we have, just uh, two weeks ago, we have a church from over on the east side of Detroit, King of Kings, Pastor Calvin Glass. Their electricity fried out in the whole building. And he asked, he said, Pastor, I need help. I said, you know what? I'm going to bring it to my people. And that's because I know what you are like. And when I brought it to you and I said, we need, this pastor needs help, could you give? And you gave him an offering between both services of two, over $2,000, 25 $2,300 you gave in one offering. That's awesome. That was a part from your giving in your, your offering and your tithe as well as being in a building program. That's crazy good, man. Celebrate that. That's a good thing. You were available for a need that God had and because of your way of working this kingdom finance, you were able to do it. I'm proud of you. You're still all waiting for me to hammer you. I know. You're like, okay, he's still going to ask me for more money. I am not. I'm telling you, good job. Let's keep going. These are the principles we must follow. I'm proud of this church. We have never been in financial need. Never. It's been awesome. People have always given. We send more people around the world. You average 30 people uh, on missions visits every year. We visit five different countries, all paid for, because you're living a kingdom principle of fiscal responsibility to the kingdom. Freedom from debt, simplicity of life, right? Kingdom living is the economy of love. Memorize that. That's what we're doing, and we're in this middle class where we have the power to be available and to shift and move where God needs us to move to affect this community and even this country. We're a blessed people. Let's keep moving in that direction. Amen? Let's keep giving and know that it is a blessing to give. Now, the fifth one, last one is this. There's a reward. There's reward in proper stewardship. And there's two parts to this. There's the first, the, the reward of right now, life now, and the reward of eternal life. So let me deal with the first one. The first one's a fancy word, recip reciprocity. Reciprocity means, well, here, here's the concept real quick. When you put a seed in the ground, it will grow and multiply back to you. So the concept's really simple. It's an agricultural concept, right? If I have an apple seed, one apple seed, I put it in the ground, it will grow, hopefully, an apple tree. And that apple tree will have a whole bunch of apples on it. And you figure there's about six seeds per apple, and you got about 100 apples on that tree. That one seed sown produced a harvest back, right? That's reciprocity. How many of you invest in stock markets? One of you, okay. That's the law of reciprocity. You put some money in, and through buying and selling, it comes back to you. There's reciprocity in all that we, all that we do. What you sow into, you'll get back. And uh, I'll be dealing with that next week because it has become so perverted in, on TV and through preachers. We're going to take that apart and see how it has really uh, polluted the, the gospel teaching on sowing and reaping. But there is a benefit to sow in and reap back a benefit of a harvest. And so that's natural. Paul put it this way. Whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap 
corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. You'll reap life. Okay? So that happens in our lives. All of you are reaping and sowing. So the question is, what are you reaping and sowing into? What are you sowing into? We need to pay attention to that. But look at what the eternal reward is. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a what? Reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Fiscal responsibility. Freedom from this world because I'm serving Jesus. Simplicity of things because I look to the Lord Jesus. Kingdom mentality because He's my King, not this economy, right? And love is how I respond because He first loved me. And in that is an eternal reward. Paul said earlier when I quoted that from Timothy that you are storing up treasure for eternity. This thing is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing because like, does anybody have something precious you like, right? Maybe, there's, uh, maybe you have gold. I have a gold ring right here. Well, the value of it goes up and down, up and down. Can you imagine that when you get your reward in heaven for eternity, it will never lose value? We can't. <laughs> there's nothing that lasts down here. So we can't figure that out. It's like, huh, really? I don't understand. But on the day when you see the Lord Jesus Christ and He gives you a reward and He gives you that which is of value to Him and to you, you'll have it forever. It will never cheapen. It will never lose its value. It will be precious to you for eternity. That's crazy good, isn't it? That's good stuff. Amen. So what I want to do is say this to you, Christ Community Church. As we've been living fiscally, you've been doing that. And I commend you as your pastor. We came to you and said, look, we need to be responsible for this building. It needs changes and it needs upgrading. It's a mess. If you've been anywhere in this building, you can tell, right? We've got different, you know, we've, we, our decor is either from 1970 or 1950. Those are our two options. <laughs> so we need to upgrade it. So we brought that to you and you said, you know, the best we could do is, is this much. And we said we needed $1.2 million, put it to you, and you said, as a people, you thought, you prayed about it, and you came back and you said, this is what we could raise. And it came to about $320,000. And that's fine, because that's what you said you could do. Now, here's the thing. Most average of any kind of stewardship plan, you typically only get 70% of it, of what was pledged. Well, this, this drive is over in February, this is October, and we're already just below $250,000. That's crazy good, isn't it? So by February, as we keep pressing into this, we're going to meet what we pledged. Now here's the other crazy thing. Typically, when you have some kind of building fund, your offerings go down because people are giving to the building fund. Our offerings have been up. Yeah. I got nothing to complain about here. This is awesome. 
So this is what I see, that we are stewarding, we're being responsible, we're moving in a fiscal responsibility to glorify God. We're not being exorbitant in what we're trying to accomplish with this building. We just need to upgrade it. That's what we're doing so that we can keep our heads at work for the kingdom of God and put our finance to winning the lost and enough to just fix this building. And I believe this, that if we were faithful to give what we said we'd give, and it looks like we're going there and above, then God will make up the difference i believe that with my whole heart amen when we do what we can do and then look to him for what he can do i think this is a done deal i really do so keep praying this is an amazing thing i am proud of you i appreciate how you're living and what you're doing i'm just coaxing you we don't need to go over another cliff i'm just coaxing you for these things because uh oh i'm doing also put it back to that fiscal thing to me Because what's coming, we've got to be ready as a people of God. We don't want to be caught into what's going to fail in this government or the affairs of men. If we are in the business of being responsible to King Jesus, we will be able to get through this. And this is what I want you to work on as a people. You're poised for this. You've been operating in it. Now get better at it. Let's get free from the debt of this world and the bondage it puts us in. Let's live a simpler life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put the kingdom first in all of your decisions and how you choose to do things. And let love be the economy of your life. Be extravagant in your love for others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads.